What's up? It's DJ Qbert. I'm proud to be on the Fly Fidelity podcast. Check it out. We're going to break down all the tracks on my last album's Wave Twister Zero, all the secrets, how the tracks were made, all the, the crazy nerdy stuff, all the secrets that we're not supposed to reveal. We're going to show it to you guys all on Fly Fidelity. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Fly Fidelity with your host Luke Bailey. This week travel way back through time to learn about the origins of DJ Qbert's Wave Twisters crew in a track by track breakdown with the man himself. Enjoy the conversation. From the Bay Area, y'all, San Francisco, my man DJ Disc. Short cut. And DJ Qbert in the house. Let's get ready to rumble, y'all. What are your earliest memories working on the original Wave Twisters and some of your earliest lessons as a producer turning instrumentation and vocals into scratches? Uh, well, 
going back to that time, that was when I was doing a lot of um, uh, DJ battles, you know, the DMC competitions and all that in the world. Um, you know, going up against the world with the scratching and stuff. And after that, I was like, okay, um, me and Mixmaster Mike uh, went to the last DMC battle in 95. And um, Christy, uh, or not Chris, I'm sorry, the, uh, the wife of... Um, of uh, Tony Prince, who's the owner of the DMC, she said, yo, you guys shouldn't compete anymore. Nobody wants to enter the competition because you guys are in here. And then she probably said that as a joke. And then, uh, what do you call it? She said, why don't you guys just be judges this year? And we're like, all right, all right. All right. So we be became judges and we're just like, where are we going to transfer this energy to? So that's when, uh, after that, I kind of went back home and I, I, I made a mixtape called Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze Music. And that was uh, kind of like a b-boy mixtape with all kinds of uh, uh, scratches that were up to date at that time. And then I was like, all right, what's next? What are we gonna do next? Uh, let's uh, let's make um, something happen. And then one day I was just dreaming, you know, kind of like sitting there pondering about scratching. And I was like, you know what? What if I made a song with everything was scratched, like the hi hats, the the drum kicks, the the uh, um, the sound effects, the the instruments, the vocals, everything came off the turntables and made a whole complete scratch song. And that became the first uh, whole scratching kind of composition. It was called Invasion of the Octopus People. Right. That was, that came out on, I think, uh, was it the uh, something DJ? What was it called? Um, Return of the DJ. <clears throat> I think volume two or something like that. And then uh, big shots to uh, Shortcut and Disc were on there too. as little They did little solos on there. And then um, after that, I was like, you know what, what's what's next? And so I was like, um, I think we had battled the executioners around that time, Visible Scratch. Big shout out to Mixmaster Mike, Shortcut, and uh, uh, all the executioners. We uh, Rock Raider, who was uh, resting in par uh, rocking in paradise. That's what I like to say. Uh, Rob Swift, Sinister, um, Total Eclipse. And we battled them. And I was like, okay, what's next after that? We, we're pretty much, I guess we're done with battling. And so that energy had to... Uh, transfer over like i had i still wanted to battle so how are we gonna battle everybody so i was like okay well let me just make an album of all these types of music uh scratch music and so that became wave twisters and i started making the album and i was like you know what let's let's take it to another level because there's gonna be like you know we're gonna make a dj is gonna make an album with uh scratch songs later and stuff and it's like okay what's so how can we outdo that just in case because when we used to battle i would i would do a trick but then i would think all right but that Probably some other DJs doing the same thing, and maybe so I got to take it to another level. But then, like, what if he's thinking that too? So I'm gonna have to take it to a third level. Now, what if he's thinking that too? So I have to take it to a, fourth, a fourth and fifth level. So that that was the process with Wave Twisters. It was like, all right, so let's make this album with all scratching songs. All right, we gotta take it to the next level. Let's make every song a chapter in a story. And then I was like, all right, we're gonna make it a, another level where it's like, um, let's animate all the uh, the songs and. Like like all the graffiti around the neighborhood, all these dope characters, all these space age characters from around the neighborhood, and and one of the top graffiti artists from the Bay, uh, Doug One, was doing all these characters around the city, and I was like, why is there no cartoon of this? This is sick. And so I hooked up with him, and we uh, got to animate the movie, and and uh, big shot to um, Eric Henry and um, and Sid Garen, <clears throat> excuse me, Sid Garen, who um, animated all of Doug's art to the to the music. Then I was like, well, let's take it to another level where we're going to go spiritual with it, where we're going to speak on uh, things about 
the the wrongdoings of, of of the planet that people are not aware of and that at the time was like the sampling law which is still in effect right now it's like if you take a sound and someone owns that song or something it's like you get you get sued for it like what forget that that's like take that's like if you have a collage art and you you, you cut out like somebody's nose and you cut out somebody's eye and you cut out somebody's mouth and you put it together and you make a face and it's like hey hey that that's my that's my eyebrow you got to pay me for that like what the <laughs> fuck that shit. So this is collage art but with sound and it's like it's I, we had this i made a big story for wave twisters like there's these there's a uh, evil kind of government that's kind of controlling our art controlling our spirituality with um with these sample laws and so that's kind of what wave twisters was about and that, that was like the the next level of okay we're gonna have layers upon the the battling kind of aspect of it speaking of the battling aspect of it you mentioned yourself of course coming up on the battle circuit back in the day did you feel any pressure releasing this as a sequel to the original wave twisters knowing that you're going in without any assistance there's no features this time but you're used to this pressure of course what you said was interesting in that you're trying to revolutionize sound so much so that you're almost there's almost an element of torture in this album, isn't there? There's a there's a level of discipline. I mean, there's there's that too. There's the battle aspect, like okay, I want to make sure all the scratches are are some new stuff because to me it kind of it kind of uh, uh, irks me when it's like I hear some some scratching from from some DJs and it's like I kind of have heard that already right. you know, so i want to kind of like as much as possible do different stuff and then so that's the kind of like the battle side in me but then i was like okay what's what's beyond battling <clears throat> you know beyond battling is of course you know uh collaboration that which is a beautiful thing you you get together with people and do stuff that's what the invisible scratch pickles is mm. but like you said this album i kind of did on my own so what's what's another way to do that so instead of battling it was more like instead of making a better whatever what do you call it, apple you want to make a banana, you know, like apples and oranges. It's like, okay, we got all these apples in here. What if, how do we make a better apple? But instead, why don't you just, yeah, make a cucumber, you know, <laughs> instead make a, make, make different make something that's not even a vegetable, you know, make a freaking octopus fucking nutsack, you know, let's, let's make that. You know? <laughs> just go, let's, let's, let's do something different is, is the, is the thing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the original is over 20 years ago. And since then you've gone into this decade as of 2020 with two back to back albums. This album included wave twisters zero. It represents this accumulation of everything you've learned up until this point, doesn't it? Oh yes. I'm always, uh, uh, um, learning and I, and I had learned learned a long time ago it was like uh, what what is what is success or whatever and success is not a point it's like an ongoing thing so right. the more I keep learning and the more I keep staying on this path of, of being a student and, and um, showing the things that I've learned and, and how to empower everyone to be like yo do it like this this is how you how you get it like this though those kind of things uh, help me to 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 feel better about I guess life, you know, like we're, we're superheroes. You're a superhero. You're doing these podcasts and you're helping people. You're, you're, uh, empowering people. You're, um, you're making the world a better place. You're bringing heaven on earth. And so my superpower is like, I can't do anything but scratch and make these type of, um, kind of, uh, whatever these concepts that I, I, I love to do. And, and so when you find out what you love to do, that's pretty much your superpower. And so the, the, it's kind of like a big giant video game of life where you, uh, you got try to, the rules of the game is you put out as much love of your love out there and make heaven on earth as much as possible. Then you'll be uh, 
having a great time in this uh, uh, God's uh, video game here. Well, speaking of video games, it feels like your career has been exactly that, you figuring out this puzzle and representing this balance. And I think this album is a huge part of this equation we're talking about. Can you speak to your past as a producer in terms of imitation, emulation and innovation? Yeah, uh, I think on the first Wave Twisters album, I had a special guest on there, like like you said earlier. Like Mixmaster Mike uh, contributed so many beats. Uh, D-Styles did a track on there. Shortcut was on there. Um, and and it was like, uh, what? How, let me. How can I? What if? What if these guys are? Um, what if my crew was just? Uh, 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 I don't know. What if they're busy? How am I going to make this album? I can't rely on my crew. I mean, I would. I love having them around and stuff and doing stuff. And I. I. I'm so thankful for that. But what? Just what if? They weren't around. Do I have to rely on them? Can I do this myself? And so I had to get in the lab and learn this. And, and you know, and because I did, it, it was a, it was a blessing because now I got into like all these um, secretive drum machines and, and things and secrets that all these producers that I love so much, like Premier. How did he get that sound? How did Wu-Tang get this certain sound? How did um, Mob Deep get this certain sound? And I went down this rabbit hole. Um, one of my boys, DJ Hardridge, he was he was showing me, oh, yo, it's like this, it's like this. He was a nerd into all that stuff, and he showed me all these secret drum machines that you sample into it, and magic comes out. And so um, I can we could talk about all the songs, and I'll let you know how how a lot of these, um, why every song sounds a little different, and what drum machine I use, and and the technique of of processing it. We can do that to make to make all these these different textures in, in in the tracks well let's start with the opening track with that being said time machinda produced by yourself co-produced by dj Hardrich. were those scratches recorded using an echo machine yeah that uh, um that track is is off a sampler um called the asr 10 and that you put you mix a 808 bass and and, and some weird <clears throat> sounds some synth sound with it and Hardridge was there in the studio with me, and we were experimenting. And he um, he had a, a Moog uh, emulator kind of thing on his iPad, and we mixed that with the 808 bass that I threw in there, and it just was like, and I was like, oh man, that ASR10 by Ensonic is is kind of like almost, it's a beautiful cheating machine. You put put something in there, and, and it spits out uh, um, a, a beautiful sound. So that's how we kind of made that. And then I was like, okay, I need hi hats. So I was thinking, what if we did a Fibonacci kind of sequence hi-hat? And, and so I was thinking of, um, uh, um, I like wood. So wood is very uh, pleasing to the ear, you know, when you have sticks and, and, and things. And I was like, what else is wood? So I was like, oh, wait, 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 paper is wood. So I was like, mm. what if you put, remember in, in a bike spoke, you put the card in the bike spoke and it spins around. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a Fibonacci sequence. I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sample that, and and use that as a hi hat. So if you, when you listen to the song, it's very like, very uh, hypnotic and put you in a different world. And so that's kind of how that track came about. So you're actually sampling a bike spoke to create that hi hat. Yes, it's incredible. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, the card, you know, you put the. Uh, uh, or you could put whatever. I don't. I don't know if uh, any kids do that today, but we did that back in the days. We put little things, so it's like a little motor on your bike yeah. when you're a kid. <laughs> I'd like to think people are still doing that. Kids are still doing that. I, I hope, hope so. I hope so. I would do it as an adult. I, you know, now that I think about it, I'm going to go in my uh, mountain bike and put a card in there. Yeah, for anybody listening to this, we encourage you to do it now as an adult. 
<laughs> I have been preparing for this day. I have built my own gigantic warbot. Come. So going into this album in the earlier stages with Hardrich, what was the biggest revelation as you're learning about this technology, as you're learning about this tech? What's the biggest revelation for you as a fan of hip hop, as far as what tech your favorite producers are using? Yeah, uh, so so we had learned about all these uh, all these drum machines, and um, uh, it's always the 12 bit and 16 bit samplers that give you that texture i mean you, you can go down to 8-bit and all that but in general it's that those 16-bit drum machines that were made in the 90s and uh also the uh, roger lynn there was a, a drum machine called the uh mpc um 3000 and roger lynn made a mistake on that and what he made it so when you sample the drums in there there was a little bit extra bass that it was giving you that shouldn't be there but for hip-hop producers hey that's perfect so the 3000 is a, a drum machine like if you're not familiar with it uh who who uses this now um q-tip tribe called quest um oh man I, I can go down the list but uh jay dilla like thousands of, of producers have used that drum machine <laughs> Name them all off right now. MPC 60. You got to have that. That's that's if you want that premier gangstar sound from from those first albums. Um, what else is there? Um, ASR 10 that I mentioned earlier. That's like a, a lot of uh, uh, Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, MP, uh, uh, speaking of that, the uh, the same company and Sonic uh, EPS 16 plus LP use that to make all the Def Jux stuff. Uh, what else? Um, the, uh, I think you had mentioned, we talked uh, in another interview before, there was um, the S950, um, the, the rack mount version of the um, MPC-60. Ooh, that gives you another type of texture as well. Um, what else? M the SP-1200 was that uh, Jump Around, the, the most top-selling hip-hop song of all time. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Uh, House of Pain? Yeah, um, yeah. DJ Muggs, big shout to my boy Muggs. Uh, and, uh, what do you call it? That thing is like I think minimum ten thousand dollars now. If but uh, they just came out with a new version with a twenty second sampling time for the you know that SP twelve hundred is that real gritty ringy sound and, and they they got a new one they just came out with like a, it just started shipping a month or two ago it's called the Rossum R O S S U M I did the commercial for them um, uh, like about a year ago. Oh really? Yeah, I, I my beat is playing on their little commercial R O S S U M it's SP twelve hundred. By that guy named Rossum. He just got all the the, the parts, all the uh, the the whatever I don't even know the fuse, whatever the um, the circuitry is all the same as SP twelve hundred, but it's it's uh, a same same looking box too, but it's all uh, updated and it's it's super fresh. 
That's 4Gs. But if you can't afford that, there's a secret weapon that sounds exactly like the SP1200 for only 300 bucks. Um, it's called the Zoom Sample Track. If you get that on eBay, get it now because I see that price going up. Like a few years ago, it was only 100 bucks. Now it's up to like 400, I think 400 or 300. Go on reverb.com, get the um, Zoom, Z O O M Sample Track, T R A K. That guy will sound just like the SP1200. The Zoom but then Sample nobody Track. Knows. Yeah, for instead of paying, you know, four thousand bucks, get it for four hundred. There it is. There it is. Which sets us up for Grand Imperial, B Boy Grandpa. What can you tell oh, me yes. about the energy and narrative you communicated with that track specifically? Oh, let me give a, a big shout to my boy DJ IQ from the Handroids. He made the beat the initial beat. I did all the intro stuff and all the scratching of course and the outro. Um and, and the scratching breaks in between and all that. But the initial beat in the background, that is a MPC 3000. You can feel the warmth of that, those drums. It's, it's so beautiful. That song is about a character, B-Boy Grandpa. He's one of the main characters on the on the good guy's side. There's like a, um, the, the album Wave Twister Zero is split into um, nine good guys that are, that are for art and, and spiritual development. And there's the, uh, the, the other side, which is the... Um, the bad guys, the, the nine characters, which is for uh, trying to keep hip hop down, you know, keep the arts down. Like it's going to go all to this Cybertron world, you know, this AI evil right. world and stuff. But so Grant B-Boy Grandpa, he's um, he his character is he's like, a, I don't know, possibly the uh, the world, the, the universe is. Well, it's a, it's in a cosmos. The whole story is in the microverse. Like it's like within within your little atoms. There's like these little galaxies and star systems, you know, like it's kind of like if, if you look, you know how you have an octave on a piano where it's like a, uh, you know, as you as you get higher and higher, you see the. the What do you call it? Uh, um, like the same thing as you go lower and as you go higher, like, you know, how like, let's say if you look at our stars and skies and, and uh, planets, they look like little atoms and particles, right? When right. you go down, <clears throat> down into the. The molecules, it's like, hey, it looks exactly the same thing as up there. Got, you know, yeah. there's little molecules. So it's like there's all these infinite molecules in our planets and, and star systems within our our body. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, he's he's kind of like the first b-boy in that micro uh, uh, cosmos. And what he he had uh, he was trying to get together a kind of a hip hip hop Cirque du Soleil and collect all these uh, aliens together that that was kind of like into um, uh, popping and breaking and, and and graffiti, he wanted a hip hop, a hip hop circus. So he was the hip hop circus ringleader, and that's what that song's about. So if you if you listen real close, all the scratches kind of go with, like you know, he's he's kind of like the leader of this uh, uh, troop of hip hop aliens. Turn the page and begin this thriller on page one. It all started long ago.
And what's the science behind the scratch pattern you're doing on that track? Where does that come from? Is that one take? Uh, no, there's, there's, um, there's a, what do you call it? I, I would go in there and I would, I would train on a certain scratch for a long time. And then when I was ready to record, it's like, okay, I got this. I'm feeling it. Let's, let's turn on the recorder and I'll record for a while. And, and usually I'll, I'll do like a one or two takes and sometimes a, th a third take just because a Tesla said, um, he would walk around a building three times before he would enter. So I would, I wouldn't pass three. Cause, um, I would, I would, I kind of took from Thelonious Monk where he said to go do a one take or a second take, but never go a third because the, you lose the energy. But I go a third just because it's like that magic number three. So I'll try to get that extra one in. And then I'll, I'll listen to all of them and be like, okay, this part right here sounds good. And I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Like sometimes I'll, I'll record for a whole 20 minutes and it'll be like, this little 30 seconds is a little magic. So I'm going to take that and stick that in the song. So a lot of it is trial and error, making that track and maintaining a flow with this scratch pattern you're using. Yeah, there, there could be like, I could be scratching for a long time and nothing's coming out that, that's like um, that's like magical. It has to be like, oh, there's a spiritual healing element, mm. which is like, you know, we're talking about the levels. And so you have your scratching, it sounds good, cool, whatever. But then there's also another thing where it's like, oh yes, I remember to put my, my uh uh well not me i would have to say from the universe i would have to say from from god is flowing through everyone so it's like when you remember that it's like okay let's let's shoot some healing energy through the scratch so that when people are listening to it they they get a uh um i don't know they're going to a freaking sound hospital right so you're the bridge in a way to this turntable yeah, it's like all of us, like you, you're, you're a shaman. You're, you're, you're helping people. You're, you're bringing healing vibes by empowering people with your podcast. And so are we as like a chef or, or a painter or, or as a musician. And so when we remember to put that energy through our art, it, it definitely does come through as, as, a, um, as a force that we don't see. Well, let's talk about track three, Vernim, a.k.a. Betrayer, another turntable oh. track. Yeah, he's one of the bad guys. That is an all turntable track where I'm scratching all the sounds and stuff. And I'm, uh, I think um, I, I was hunting for sounds, and I usually hunt for guys with really good voices. And it comes usually from, from like let's <laughs> scratch Wu Tang, the old dirty bastard. You can't get away from it that mm -hmm. he has a great voice. So I, I was scratching his voice, and, and that character, um, Berman, was uh, he's a bad guy. Let me get back to the subject. He um, he uh, uh, uh he's like a, he's B Boy Grandpa's partner. But then he's like, he's like, uh, has an alternative, uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, direction. Like he wants to uh, kind of take down the circus. Like he's almost like he's a, a spy for the for the bad guys. Or you got to take down this circus. But you know, Grandpa doesn't uh, discover that till later. Dope, dope. We're talking about a twenty-year history and relationship with these characters from the film. Of course, when you think about your development and how you've navigated as a turntablist over your career, how has your relationship with these characters evolved? Were there many updates and name changes for any of the characters' origins? Oh yeah, you, you'll sit there for hours. Like, what could this guy's name be? What could it? What could it be? And uh, uh, how can it relate to um, to? Uh, um, the whole story and at the same time how can we give a lesson in 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 the story that can uh try to empower people to wake them up to be like oh wow this could be happening in our government at the same time very true there is a correlation of course with what's going on now across the world globally sure so sometimes i'll speak on it and people get mad at me so it's like all right i'll just talk about it in the music then 
Well, can you talk about it now outside of the music, how you feel that correlates with the narrative of this album, your thoughts on where we're at consciously? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like right now, everyone is starting to freaking wake up and I love it. Like, wait a minute, we're supposed to have free energy. You know, all these people are like, you You make a car. This, this guy has, has a car that, that can run on freaking air. Another guy invents a car that can run on just water. Another guy that has a car that can run on um, whatever freaking piss or something and they, they they take those guys out and it's like wait a minute what's going on here and so there is a uh, a free energy if that is being hidden from us and when we do find that free energy we'll be free of these these uh how you call it, these tyrants and stuff these enslavers who who tax you the taxing what the why would you even tax people that's illegal you know it's like all this money system it's like it's so fake you know the it's it's called the money magic system and that's how they enslave uh planets um, this money magic system is is not the real money. The real money is karma. It's just simple mm. spirituality. When you help people, it comes back to you. And that's what we're starting to learn now. You know, we're going to be free soon, and we all come together like uh, like 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 say let's say you you do your thing, you help with what you're doing. I'm doing my thing. I do music. So we know another guy that's uh, I don't know growing carrots. Another guy's <clears throat> growing apples, and then we trade and stuff. Like uh, like we even have like uh, an area where we're growing our own food. And, um, you know, we'll have free water soon, free energy, like I was saying earlier. Um, what else is there? A lot of this stuff is coming to light right now. It's a beautiful time to be alive because all of this stuff is, is just is it, it, coming out now. Like, whoa, we've been enslaved this whole time. and We've been tricked for thousands of years. And just now we're coming coming out of it into a rebirth to a beautiful new uh, world. And I, I think it's amazing. Some people won't see it yet, but a lot of the people that are, are really awake are seeing the change and um, the beautiful shift in, in reality. This is synchronicity, isn't it, right now? Everything is meant to be right now, and, and um, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I'm so happy. I don't know why everyone's mad. They just can't see it yet. But when they do, it's like, yo, this is, this is going to be awesome. Like, There's a lot of guys uh, working on uh, anti-gravity stuff, and I don't know if you've been seeing online these people have these machines that can, they can levitate shit. And it's like, ah, that's how they move the pyramid blocks. You know, it's like, it's, it's amazing, man. All this stuff that's coming out, you know, soon you'll be seeing people at the airports, uh, with luggages, hovering luggages, you know, you don't got to carry your bags anymore. That's, uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of study on, on a lot of, uh, the moon bases and the secret, uh, the bases on Mars where the, the military, they just have their, all their luggages are just hovering. That's insane. Tell me more about that. Yeah, if you just go on Gaia.com, G-A-I-A.com, I, you, have to, you have to pay for it. You have to subscribe because these evil guys, when you put that sh- information out there, they freaking delete it, as you can see with the whole censorship thing. And that's – what the hell is that? Free, they're covering free speech? That's come on, come on. If you guys can't see that, then you don't know that nothing is going, going wrong. But, yes, uh, all, that, all that stuff um, – is, is being suppressed. Every, if you say a certain word, they freaking cut your channel off. You know, uh, different things. Like it's it's wrong. That's that's so evil. You know, that's that's like communism. So the uh, the the whole the whole virus thing. The reason why that was put into place is is to bring in communism. The uh, communism equals Satanism. I mean, if you guys want Satanism, go ahead. I don't like Satanism. <laughs> uh, I want I want freedom. So it's like that's what communism is. That was that's that was why they brought that whole venom thing in. You know. If I say the word, they freaking cut you off. Yeah, don't do that. So, We're um, trying to have a conversation about this album. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But so, it's like, um, so it's like, what's going on here? So, so people are now waking up, and and it's it's awesome. 
Yes, I'll play them a sweet tune of destruction. Speaking of healing, how therapeutic of a process was it making this album, given this scenario globally, everybody's been experiencing simultaneously? Oh man, it's, it's wonderful. I released the album on purpose, Wave Twister Zero on purpose, on the date, uh, what is it, 12-21-2021. Um, and that date is a specific day where the planets aligned uh, Jupiter... Saturn, they all aligned uh, to, it was kind of like at the same time of the Star of Bethlehem, and that was the sign wow. of uh, the switch of the universe we're going into the uh, age of Aquarius. And so that was like, a, that's, that's the time of awakening, the very beginning point. And it was, it was like, I had to release it on that day. So I was like, okay, all these songs, let's get it out. Boom, 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 bam. Right exactly on that, on that day. So there's a real science we're talking about behind this release. Yeah, it was it was a spiritual thing for for my myself and and whoever is into it. <laughs> what about the inspiration behind the detonator? The origins of the dentist in the film, of course, Wave Twisters. Yeah, the, the, the detonator is one of the main characters. He's he's I think he represents um, one of the hip hop. Um, I think he represents uh, the scratching because he had the he was uh, given the the Wave Twisters watch later in in the future. But when you go back to the past, he's kind of like this guy that uh, when he got if you watch the movie Wave Twisters, the movie the dent the detonator was the same character. What's his name? The uh, the dental commander, and he wasn't even supposed to be a dental commander. Like if you watch that, he didn't even know how to how to become a dentist. He was messing up everyone's teeth. And same thing in this uh, the beginning. He wanted to be a um, uh, um, he wanted to uh, be a blow up artist. You know how you blow stuff up like on the walls. Right, right. You bomb stuff like a, a graffiti artist. So he took a job as a detonator because he wanted to blow bomb. He thought it was graffiti. But then he, he accidentally took a job as a uh, um, explosives 
specialist and he was he's blowing stuff up through the song so within that song you hear everything is like bomb this bomb that blow up that whatever um explosions here and there and and yeah but as far as the production goes that's um that's a, a lot of it is off the turntables and a lot of it too some of it i mentioned earlier there's an sp1200 drum machine in there that made some beats in there and i would i would make the beats and then i would put it back on the turntables and scratch them in to give it a grit yeah yeah like you'll notice like there's some parts with some drums sound different and stuff and and all that to give it like different like oh you're walking into this room you open the door and you go into that room and then oh you fall down and going down a slide and now you're in a different world and then you come back up teleport back to the same uh chorus or whatever you know things like that be the first in your neighborhood to own a modern sundial wristwatch and now back to the adventures of What about track five, Smuggler? Contraband it. That's all turntables. Big shots to native instruments uh, that I use my Tractor Z2 mixer. It's getting sounds and scratching them all in. So every track on that song is, is uh, off, off the wax. Did you sample anything in that track specifically and scratch it as a way to give it a layer of grit again? Oh, yeah. You listen to everything to scratch. Even the dum 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 scratching that dum 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 the bass line. Then you got the drums. I'm scratching the drums in there. Uh, what else is there? I'm scratching the vocals, and so that song, uh, that character, uh, is is about. Uh, I was starting to learn about all this uh, human trafficking and child trafficking that the evil government's doing, and and they're uh, um, taking even they're even human trafficking them off world, off planet, like they're taking them to different bases that are dope. It's crazy shit, but uh, uh, you know what? You know this is off the subject, but this is what I heard that you know what the number one import. Uh, export for for the planet earth is what's that for these aliens they love alcohol and <laughs> really? different beer because there's there's these aliens that they, they're so boring to have just one brand of beer but we we on this earth are an experiment so we have all these nationalities all on one freaking planet and so we have all these different varieties of of alcohol so they love all these freaking brands of beer and shit and alcohol because they get drunk too you know they're fucking they're humanoids but also they export children's clothing. I wonder why that is. What's going on? If you are still listening to this episode and enjoying the podcast, why not become a patron of Fly Fidelity at patreon.com slash flyfidelity. Becoming a patron means you are directly supporting our show and helping us to create a new episode each and every week. It also means that as a thank you for being a super supporter, you'll be able to access exclusive content to you, including patron updates, offers and discounts, a monthly secret podcast, early access, and so much more. Minutes later, there's my destination. I'll have to go and allow myself to be captured.
Yeah. So anyway, I was getting into all that <laughs> uh, smuggling stuff. And so this came about. So I was like, what if there's a good smuggler? And so this guy is a uh, kind of keeping the arts alive. So he's he's smuggling like spray cans and fat laces, hip hop shoes and records and things that in, in this wave twisters universe, they're trying to suppress the arts. The evil guys are trying to suppress the arts, the spirituality. So this is a smuggler where he's smuggling good things, turntables and and stuff to promote the arts. Making our tracks a political time for you, you just said it yourself. Can you speak to how those politics inform the finishing product specifically? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a nerd. At, I've been studying this whole uh, uh, alien takeover since I was since 1977, if you can believe that or not. I've been studying this since a, as a little-ass kid. I was getting into UFOs, and I was like, what's going on here? What is, what is up with this? There's military UFOs, but there's also extraterrestrial UFOs. There's also interdimensional uh, uh, beings. There's all kinds of 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 elements around around us that we're not aware of. And, and there's good ones and there's bad ones. It's like the universe is split between good and bad. But of course, it's it's definitely slightly biased to the good, you know, because that's just how it is. Um, but or else the whole thing will fall apart, of course, right? So, right, but right. it's um it's amazing when you when you start finding out all about. There's another rabbit hole to go into about what is life all about? Where did we come from? What the, you know, I want to know these things because we're musicians. Musician is also the same word as magician. So mm. magicians have, they want to know the freaking tricks. They want to know what goes behind the scenes. They want to see the freaking Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. We mm. want to know how, how does that scratch work? How do you produce these beats? How do you freaking make this shit? How do you make people happy? How do you, how do you make the world a better place? What is life? And so we get into all these people would call conspiracy but i call it true theorcy because there's some shit in there that's like whoa there's there's a lot of freaking hidden shit and people will think i'm crazy and a nut but i don't fuck that shit i'm learning a lot of shit that that a lot of you are like yep i, I know exactly what he's talking about so there's a lot of people on board that know exactly what i'm talking about and, and there's a lot of people that are just gonna think I'm crazy, but that's just once again that's that's the yin yang. That's part of it, right? That comes with the territory. Have you experienced anything making this album that you can't explain potentially? Well, we've seen a lot of crap. Like sometimes I'll I'll stare at the sky and you'll be like, "What the hell is that going across the sky right now?" That's not a plane because a plane don't don't go that fast. It don't it don't go that high. I have a telescope. I look at the moon all the time and I see all kind of stuff going across the moon. I'm like. That's no bird flying across the moon. You know, that's <laughs> that's some shit. Like, yeah. if you look, if you have a telescope, the whole, this is the story with the military on, um, that I've I've been studying. The whole back of the moon looks like New York. Braf, a gang of cities. And it's, it, and on the front, of course, you only see the front of the moon. It stays the same the whole time. Like, how come it doesn't spin? How come it doesn't flip over? Why don't you see a, a little piece of the, just a little, come on, just spin a little bit. It's always the same because it's a freaking spaceship. They made this movie called um, Star Wars, which, and they had this thing called the Death Star, mm. and that's the freaking moon, and and it's just it's been there for forty million years, con- keeping the Earth like how you call it, tra- training wheels, or like if, if you didn't have that moon there, the Earth would just be this mud ball thing. So they needed that there to keep keep Earth in place to um to make it like uh, habitable with the four seasons and all that. But anyway, getting back to the moon, if you look at the ten o'clock point on the moon with your telescope. It's getting so freaking packed on the back with cities that that you can see ships flying off the 10 o'clock point off the moon. Stand by alert. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range. 15 minutes. No legendary adventure of the past 
could be as exciting as Star Wars. Here they come. The more you see it, it's where the fun begins. The better it gets. Too fast. Star Wars, rated PG. Starts tomorrow at a theater near you. Yeah, so so uh George Lucas uh was hired by by whoever to make the freaking movie Star Wars. So when people start finding out, out about all these truths, hey, wait, Star Wars is actually kind of like a documentary. And mm. it's like uh it's like when people talk about this stuff, they're like the moon is this is kind of like machine, like the Death Star. The 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 reverse psychology that they want is they want this reaction. They want this reaction, which is, ah, you're just watching Star Wars. Ah, you're just watching science fiction. So they make these science fiction movies to reverse psychologize you, to make it like, oh, this shit ain't real. You're just watching the movies. But all that shit is, all that shit's coming out. You know, look at Star, look at Star Trek. They have the freaking flip phones. They, uh, they're also already doing a, a teleportation uh, we're, we're all they're getting down to the molecules and they can freaking teleport food to your house. Um, they're already doing that in the military. The bases on Mars and the bases on the moon, they, they do that where the food just kind of just whatever you order, it just fucking appears in front of you. And all the nutrients are all in there and in, in, in all the atoms and stuff. It's probably more nutritious than regular food because of all the uh, they, they program all the nutrients. For me, I'd rather go organic, of course. But, you know, that's just kind of like what they do. They have all this advanced technology. And it's real, but they're not bringing it out. Stuff. Uh, they're like forty. I, what is it? Forty or sixty years ahead of everyone. Something like that. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, speaking of what they do, speaking of what they do, I love the use of Roddy Piper from They Live that sampled right before the transition on Captain Combat. Oh, you caught that. No one has caught. No one has caught that but you. Yeah. So if you don't, if you guys out there don't know. Uh, uh, the movie They Live. That is another documentary right there. Watch, watch the movie They Live. That's about uh, that's about how uh, these uh, these aliens in the elites are 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 taking over, have taken over the planet for thousands of years, and we just don't know it. But because they they've got these devices to blind us, and it's 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 in that movie. Watch that movie. It's called They Live. Yep. With, and, and the sample I took was uh, what he just said, Roddy Piper. He was like, "Hey, put on the glasses." So he, the guy puts on the glasses and he starts to see through all the, all the bullshit. Like, "Whoa, this is the, this is a giant hypnosis. The Matrix is everywhere." It's be, this movie was before the Matrix, and it's it's about the same shit. Incredible film, incredible film. One of the most rewatchable films as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'll see yeah. a lot of freaking, a lot of cool stuff in there in our pop culture, like with the Obey Stein and and the yeah. Oh man, it's such a great movie. What was the process of making that track specifically? Oh, okay. The production side of that, that was a thing called the Lin 9000. This drum machine here is uh, supposedly the drum machine that uh, where they sampled the drums into it to make the first Portishead albums. And that's why Portishead drums are so freaking dark and dirty. And so uh, I talked to a, uh, the DJ for Prince. His name was DJ Sky, and and he said, "Yo, Q, you gotta get this drum machine. And when you sample drums into it, what you do is you take a b-boy break, you put it on 45, speed it up, sample it into the Lin Lin 9000, and then slow it, pitch it down back to normal speed, and it's just gonna be some really dusty drums." And so I was like, "All right, I gotta go go get one." I think it was like a G, a two two thousand bucks, and then now. 
that drum machine. I think people are starting to find out about it. It's like it's almost five thousand bucks now. Crazy. Yeah, I've I've seen it go as as much as ten thousand. Yeah, there's 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 good ones. Big shot to Forat. So if you get a broken one, just take it to Forat in L.A. He'll fix it and make it all brand new. And so yeah, that's what I did. I just sampled the drums in there and and I put it once again, put it back on the turntables, scratch the drums in to give it that extra level. Um, as we were speaking of levels earlier, and and. Yeah. I did all the sound effects on top, and that that is a song about the uh, that character is about a guy who was um, blinded. He was uh, in the in the in the front lines fighting for freedom, and he was like, "Yeah, fuck all this shit. Let's, I'm I'm down with the government. The government's correct and shit." And then he puts on the glasses. and He's like, "Wait a minute, this government is tricking everyone. That's why I, that's why my whole um, city is fighting." And so he he kind of like uh, woke up and he became the the uh, the leader of the. Um, of the revolution his name is captain combat he put the glasses on man yeah he you can see him he got the glasses on in the uh in the wave twist movie and i was like wait a minute i could use that remember the the freaking movie uh they live and that was that was his character the official adventures of the captain Talk about the robots and their accents on Doombox. What was the process oh. of achieving that? Yeah, so Doombox is about uh, about uh, kind of like um, uh, I think that's their biggest. Uh, it's like uh, like the good guy had the good guys had uh, the time machine robot, which is a big giant robot on the good guy side. So we needed a bad guy's giant robot. Uh, so this is Doombox. He made of, he's made of all the um, all the DJ equipment confiscated parts all the illegal you can't have dj equipment because you're you're promoting hip-hop so they stole all that shit and they made a big giant robot but as far as the production side of it there's a uh i use this guy his name is sockbot and he he has a he has a, a like a filipino accent he talks like this he says yeah he's kind of like uh whatever and he has he has a vocoder and so when he goes into the robot he's like i am a robot I have a Filipino accent, but you know, so I have, I, I get, I give him a script. Okay. Make sure you say this stuff. And, and so he kind of, he says it with his uh, Filipino accent in, in the vocoder. That's why you can hear kind of like, if you ever listen to old craft work, they're like the way they speak trans, express, you know, they have the uh, accent. Yeah. There, right. So I was like, okay, you can't do the vocoder with a freaking dorky American accent. So I had <laughs> to have, have to have this guy come in with the, the sock bot hat, come in with the um, a different countries way of speaking into the vocoder such an inventive track as well oh thank you so oh it's a shot to uh all the poppers like uh, that whole electric kingdom uh, um uh, uh electro bass world uh siberian nights kind of type music big shot to twilight 22 it's an ode to them i love those guys love and that. so yeah in a, in a in a crude laboratory laboratory who are you who is that guy he's the leader this was a setup the whole thing from the very beginning. And this equipment? Everything, including an invisible body. Silence. 
Summoner is an interesting track for everything the character represents and everything you're doing tonally. What did you use to record that one? Oh yeah, so Summoner that that's uh, the main bad guy. He would be equivalent to the Emperor in the uh, Star Wars. So he's he's uh, um, so this track is very as ominous. I tried to make it as as dark as I could, but in on the production side, it's a very healing song because you can hear the monks in there. Oh, they're they're chanting the the healing om in there, and then it has uh, the hi hats. I, I wanted to use um, I didn't want to use actual hi hats, so I used uh, I was in the country and I was listening to um. To these crickets and i was like oh my god that is that sounds so relaxing so i was like i'm gonna use these crickets for uh for hi-hats so when it comes in it's like you know it's kind of like it takes you to a different uh uh planet and stuff and um it surrounds you with uh, uh healing sounds you know but it uh, you know it sounds if 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 you don't know what it is you'll be like oh my god this is so creepy and shit but it's actually very good for your spirit that that track these are arteries Look, it's the outline of a foot, almost like glass. Yes, and there, there the heart, the brain. All taking shape. Which takes us to Orb, another turntable track. So Orb, that character would be like, okay, we, uh, I like this character. I looked, I looked at all the characters in the, if you watch the movie, there's a dental office and all these characters are packed into the dental office and like, Ooh, look at that. That guy looks like a freaking, um, uh, um, I don't know. He almost looks like a, a giant snot, a giant booger. I was like, oh, that's a cool character. So that's what the, the name I, uh, my girl was like, I'll call it Orb. Keep it simple. Don't do all these elaborate freaking names. And she was like, just call it Orb. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he became uh, uh, his character in the movie, you know, going back to hip hop. He's like, he's like the most uppest uh, uh, tagger. And so he was uh, and the Corona thing had just hit. And I was like, oh, OK. So he's like, when you when you're the most uppest tagger, you kind of have a crown. And so the Corona, the crown Corona, he's he's like um, he was getting up. And um, yeah, that that's a. Uh, that's that's what he represented. He was uh, in the story. He was accidentally made because I think. Uh, I think I think the bag. I I forgot to read the story, but I think he sneezed or something, and that guy came out of the, uh, out of a um a machine that creates. Oh yeah, it was a summoner. The summoner can create beings, so he's creating. He was trying to create a demon, but accidentally created a good guy with a with a uh, some uh some spit or something. So it's like a COVID booger almost, so to speak. <laughs> exactly, he's wearing his crown. <laughs> he's the most most uppest. I love that. If you could roughly estimate how many scratch samples you've experimented for, with for this album, what kind of number are we looking at? Oh man, if I'm if I'm practicing and I'm scratching like a dozen sounds, at least a dozen sounds a day. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. Times that. At times, least. At least. I mean, because I'll run through a gang of sounds. I'll probably way more than a dozen, you know. But um, just at the minimum, what would that be? Times every day, uh, three hundred fifty six days a year i don't know bro whatever the freaking that is that's a lot of samples that's a lot of samples but then i might use the same samples the next day too got you got you but yeah i mean as i'm making the album actually i'm i'm trying to i'm going through probably way now that i'm thinking about it way more than 12 because i'm looking through something that that works oh, that doesn't work that might work let's try this oh forget it. let's try this whatever let's go back to that yeah probably way more than 12 sorry 
free to go. Yes, as soon as you instruct me in its use. Hit the switch. Program. move on to another track on the album one of my favorites alpha bot which sounds like a salute and homage to Kraftwerk almost yeah i, I love the whole the robots and stuff so I, I i was like okay how are we gonna do a different type of robot song let's go let's go with my favorite robot song or whatever which was back in the days as a kid i heard uh numbers from Kraftwerk, and right. once again you can, you can hear in their voice they're not speaking correct english it has that twisty german uh, uh, twang to it and, and it was like whoa it's so mysterious and it's like oh, you, you gotta speak weird when you're in the vocoder so once again I got my boy Sockbot to do a couple of lines in there and then I was like okay let's let's get some um, let's get some nationalities in there that that I'm part of so I'm I'm, I'm part Latino because my Filipino heritage is is uh, Spanish and then I got uh, so I had some Spanish robots in there. Then I got some. Of course, you hear the regular English ones in there from the uh, was that speaking spell thing? You know, you press it one, two. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. Kind of scheme for the kids. That's in there. But this was a, instead of numbers, it was alphabets, all letters and stuff. So the song was going to be called uh, letters, but since it's a robot, I was like, okay, alphabet, like alphabet. And um, and then uh, my great grandfather was um, Turkish. So I had that in there. And then I, my other great grandfather on my mom's side it was Chinese, but it didn't it didn't uh, sound right, so I, I I didn't put that in there. Uh, and then I had uh, what is this now? Um, there's Russian because I was really into uh, uh, grappling and wrestling and a lot of Russian. I was really into uh, was it Khabib Nurmagomedov from um, was this uh, MMA? Was this a uh, UFC? Right, right, right. I was into all the Russian guys, so I was like, right, I'm gonna do the the freaking uh, Russian vo- uh, num- uh, alphabet in there. Then I got uh, my girl was uh, uh, Japanese, so I got the Japanese robot in there. What else wow. is there? Uh, uh, Indian, because that's kind of like close to the Filipino culture. Uh, they even have the same clothing as 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 the way Indians dress. Um, what else is there? And of course, Filipino in there is in there too. And uh, I think there's another language in there. Can't can't think of it right now. I, that might be it. But yeah, they all have that accent. So what I did is I I went. On to um, what is this now? Uh, uh, YouTube, and then they were just saying the alphabet in their language, and I would hook the vo- the vocoder, and I would put the mic input into those guys saying the alphabet. All, you know, as they were speaking, their voice would go into the vocoder, and I would sample those those letters, and then then I would take it on the turntables and scratch them in. Speaking of letters, I love these track names on this album. You mentioned your girlfriend naming Orb. How are most of these titles coming about? 
Is it is it yourself that's naming every track? Are he named after um, people outside of these characters? Can you speak to the science, you know, a little deeper behind these track titles? Oh yeah, I would I would uh, get get ideas uh, from from my friends or whatever. And what do you think it's be called? And then, and then I would I would ask my girl, and and she's she's uh, she's a classical musician, and she's also a uh, uh, an artist. And she was she would be like no that's too long just keep it simple see she was she's very simplistic and and i like like that about her and um so so she gave me she gave, she even said some titles too like like uh like on this album there's a song called uh triple goddess and so, so yeah she named that's that's one of her names and stuff and then because she was into um she was doing this uh uh, uh what do you call it kind of like uh uh wiccan witchcraft stuff Okay. And then later, after we made the after we made the album, I was like, "Oh wait, wait, wait! This this is this is kind of bad." <laughs> and we're like, "Oh shit!" So we we stopped doing the whole that whole Wiccan stuff because we we found out it's it's a little I don't know it's kind of like I don't know if we're vibing with that anymore. And then uh, so but that's how the song title came about. Here she comes. It, it is the dreaded goddess. Goddess of love and of death. <laughs> That's interesting. You mentioned Triple Goddess. That's a track before Frashcan, which I, I think oh, you... Oh, Frashcan. Yeah. Is that ASR950? Okay, so so the uh, the Thrashcan, man, you are very close. The the S, uh, the S the 950 uh, um, is the um, the rack version of the MPC-60. And so, yeah, huh. the, the drums were put into an MPC-60. I, I In the computer, I chopped the drums up to be uh, halftime. And then I put it into the MPC 60, and then it comes out real milky. Like this, the if you listen to the part where it goes seek and destroy, and the drums that come right after that is just these freaking really silky um, b-boy drums. And then I put the little what a guitar scratch over that guitar sample over that or whatever, and um, that's that section. But then if you listen to the song, that's probably the most elaborate song on the album besides a uh, detonator and a. Uh, Captain Combat. Oh, wait, wait. Red Worm's pretty complicated. But anyway, this song is pretty elaborate because there's different sections in there where I made a gang of beats uh, over the past years. And I was like, oh, this beat doesn't work, but I could take a piece of that and make that a bridge mm. into um, to, uh, uh, this thrash can song. Or this part can go good in this thrash can song. So this thrash can song has all kind of beats in there from, from hundreds of beats I had made 
previously. So this was you essentially playing with composition. Yeah, well, earlier I was talking about the, uh, how do you call it, when you cut pieces out, cut the eyes out, and cut the nose out, yeah. and fucking put penis for the nose, that type of <laughs> shit. Uh, this is uh, one of those uh, collages of, of sound where you, you're chopping them up and putting them all together and making one big piece. Going back to Triple Goddess, talk more about that track, which has some of the best drums on this album, in my opinion. Oh, right on. Yeah, so that, that right there was, um, I sampled the drums on that through a thing called the... Uh, and Sonic 16 Plus. They made all these uh, sampling machines, but the 16 Plus was specific because that, once again, had an accidental thing where the drums became a little bit too fat. But for, like, once again, for us B-boys, the fatness of the drums is kind of what we want. So I sampled some drums in there, kind of like that. What's that, Bismarck Key, um, Just a Friend? Some yeah. of those kind of drums. Well, I like those type of drums. So I kind of searched around, and, and Crazy Legs. Have you ever heard of Lean Rock? He's the DJ for the... Um, the uh, uh, Red Bull breakdancing competition. Like, he's the main DJ. He has all these B-boy breaks. So he came to my house, Crazy Legs as well. They gave me their whole freaking library. All their freaking drums. All their B-boy breaks. Thousands and thousands of, of B-boy drums that you cannot even listen to in a lifetime. It's just, they're, they're just like, he goes on my computer and says, it's going to take years for you to listen to this. Anyway, so I found, I'm just searching through all these drums. and like, ooh, these, these are nice. So I sampled that into the, 16 plus and the drums became fat and then i got this one echo which is a, like a, a certain reverb i think it's called the mr 14 reverb um and, and it's uh it made the drums even more bigger in in a in a weird way and so that was that was how i got that sound is there much music left on the cutting room floor from these sessions oh my god it's like a whole cutting room freaking building there's so much trash that i didn't put in the album i, I was taking just all the good parts and um yeah there's a lot of extras in there i could probably use on on other albums in the future definitely so much stuff i have a powerful secret weapon at my command in this corner is the heavyweight champion of all the monsters take a step back take a step take take a step take a step take the step back take a step take take a step take a step step take a step back take a step take Talk about Chinhead. What was the idea behind Chinhead? Cosmic Assassin. Yeah, that that character's. Uh, if you look at, if you watch the movie, he's kind of like a, like one of the chin, the 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 henchmen, right? He's the, like the freaking. Right. They're all over the movie. They're they're all the how you call it the in Star Wars. They're like stormtroopers. The freaking police. Mm. And shit. So this is uh, if if you look at the character, the way Doug drew it is, uh, you know how you um, you videotape yourself upside down and you you. You film your chin and then you draw eyeballs on your uh, 
your chin and that becomes the face and you're, you're <laughs> like the top of your mouth moving. Yeah. So that's you know, like, that's what a chin head is. But uh, yeah, so this song is another one, just all turntables. And this is just more experimental type of stuff, scratching all the um, the drums and you can hear all the B-boy congas in there. And then I was putting, I was using a, uh, what do you call it? A wah-wah pedal for the, for the, the stab, the head note. Wow, wow, wow. So that's just kind of that. What that is, which is which is a technique you used back on Doctor Octagon, wasn't it? Yeah, we used a, a wah wah pedal in there. I used a wah wah pedal in the first scratch song, all scratch song. Uh, what do you call that? Invasion of the Octopus People. Yeah. What else did I use that on? I, I in the um, the Executioner's uh, Battle uh, with the Us Invisible Scratch Pickles versus them. What else did I use that in? A big shout to DST though. The DST is the guy. I, he even mentioned that he used that with. Um, uh, Herbie Hancock in that band too, so I don't want to say that I was like the only one to use it. A lot of a lot of people use things. What would have been free strategies that helped you maintain a sense of fluidity when you were making these records? Uh, pretty much. Uh, to me, just the storyline. I guess the storyline is like, all right, goes into this, and I tried to make it where the whole thing is a big roller coaster ride. Like as you go here, then you go there, and it's like, you know, I kind of tried to make the songs. Like, oh, this song would go good right after this one, or this would go good in the story. Mm. This one and that one, or, you know, this kind of like save the save the good stuff for last, you know, that type of thing. There's all these little uh, things. And there's also that, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, um, the Hero's Journey. You know, you kind of like start off. The Hero's Journey is more on the movie, though, where it's like, you know, if you look online, there's this, there's this thing where 99% of all movies uh, follow this um, template. It's called the Hero's Journey, yeah. where they kind of like, they suck at the beginning and they have to go through the fucking trainings thing and then they fucking meet the bad guy at the end and they fucking get his ass. Let us resume our tale. Good, e- good, e- good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's story. Make, make your neck, make, make your neck jerk. Join me in my dream. <laughs> Make your neck, make make your neck, make your neck, make your make your neck jerk. Make your neck, make make your neck, make your neck, make make your neck jerk. Your service, your service, your service, your service. There's an important track, which we haven't talked about yet. Dreams, a.k.a. Honey Drips. Oh, yes. This is the girl. She's, she represents the graffiti. Uh, she is um, She is actually, uh, I, I named this track Dreams because there's, it's after uh, homage to, this, uh, to my boy Dream. He's like uh, one of the best graffiti artists that ever came out of the Bay Area. And once again, he is rocking in paradise. And he left uh, some beautiful things here on on the planet where he was making heaven on earth and so that's that's this character what she represents and this drum machine is is kind of a basic one which is uh the machine drum machine shots again to native instruments uh made that beat on there and um yeah and i just did a bunch of scratches on there that act that album kind of i'm that song actually started the album off because one of my friends uh, another graffiti artist from hawaii his name is east three he was like, yo, Q, I need, I need a graffiti track. And so I kind of made made him a song. And then I was like, oh, shit, I could use this song on the album. Uh, so that kind of 
started everything off. And it becomes an ex- an extension for this track, Honey Drips. Yeah, sometimes it, it helps you to get started when someone else gives you a little push. Mm. So it's like, oh, what if that guy wasn't there? Why don't we just imagine someone giving you a push like, yo, I need a, uh, I don't know, I need a Kung Fu track. And you kind of just pretend there's someone there that you got to make a track for. And that kind of will push you too into that world. Well, as far as being pushed, what kind of suggestions would Had Rich bring to the table about how songs could be elevated and improved? Is there much of a push as far as him giving you influence and, and, and extending an inspiration to any of these songs? He was only a part of the first track. What is that? Uh, Time Machine? Time Machine. Where he, yeah, he, he had the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the Moog uh, iPad. Right. And he, it was like, what is it called? Uh, there's a, woo, 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 woo whatever that freaking um, uh, sound effect thing is. Um, and, and he's also was a nerd pre way before the album where he taught me what all these drum machines did and mm. what all these producers used. And so that's, that's, he got me into collecting all the drum machines way before I started uh, making this album. Marco the Beast, Invisible, Scratch Pixel is incredible. How does that one come about? What's the process for that? <laughs> that's funny you mentioned Harvish. Harvish said that's his favorite song on the uh, oh really the album, yeah. And uh, uh, he said, uh, um, I mean not he said, but that that is a, a drum machine uh, called the uh, uh, ASR10. Once again, I, so I think I use the ASR10 a couple of times on this album, but that is uh, what that is. And if you hear that the the melody that it's kind of like a, a, a James Bond thing. Right. That's actually a tabla. I thought it was a guitar and shit. It sounded like a guitar, but it's, it's actually a tabla drum. The, the big shot to Zakir Hussain, who's my favorite uh, tabla uh, drummer from India. I kind of like, I study a lot of tabla for scratch patterns. But anyway, so I run across that and I was like, ooh, that sounds like a freaking, that sounds like James Bond, but it's off the tabla. So that's, that's the melody on that song. And then, of course, once again, I'll make the drums on the ASR-10 and I'll go back in and try to scratch as much as possible on the turntables. And uh, what did that character, uh, Marco the Beast, was... Uh, he was uh, invented because uh, we were starting to learn about this microchip that the freaking the evil uh, the evil controllers are tr- trying to put into um, into humans. You know that whole I, I spoke about Cybertron earlier. Like these they're, they're like these aliens are trying to take over all these planets and turn it into a freaking all AI planet. And, and so that was what Cybertron is. If you ever watch Transformers, and it was like. Yeah. Ah, so this whole transhumanism thing where they're trying to get all the freaking AI into humans. They want to make us unspiritual. And so that's that's where uh, Marco the Beast is coming from. You know, like you, you put the chip in your arm and then you freaking can pay for your food by just swinging yeah. your wrist onto the freaking counter and things like that. It's like, I don't know, because they probably could stick that. You know, there's probably a way they can control humans in your brain with that. So I wouldn't trust that. I mean, if you, if you like that shit, go ahead. I'm not here to stop people from doing that, but that's where we got the inspiration for Marco, Mark of the Beast. Two 
Is the Worminator, which is followed by the album closer, Suction Cop. Yeah, uh, so Worminator, once again, that's kind of like the Darth Vader kind of guy um, in the in the album. He's like, they're, they're these, they're, once again, these clones, these um, these things that take over human. Like, if you look at the character, the actual character is a worm, which is in the umbilical cord of that baby, uh, if you look at the character. So it's not really the baby, is the freaking, how do you call it, the, um, the monsters, the worm taking over the 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 humanoid like it's the the host is the humanoid baby and so that the worm is is the red worm uh and once again that's kind of like where uh you know humans could be used as hosts uh you, you know like the possession thing and, and and getting taken over by these entities and things so that's what he represents that he's like the the freaking the the devil and shit um so he's the one of the main bad guys, of course. So this this song, if you're going back to the production side of it, this is another one of those tracks where I I made a gang of beats in the past, and I I kind of just chopped them all up into this one piece. And and uh, big shouts to Moog. I I got I love that um, synthesizer. I um sample a lot of stuff on there. And once again, ASR10 drum machine. That thing's magic. A lot of the beats went on there. And um, Roland. I want to give a shout to Roland for the 808. And, and some synths are on there. And then some parts of the songs are scratched off the turntables. So a lot of mixture of all kind of stuff. Um, there's a, like the, the certain echoes I like to use, the, the space echo. Like if you listen to the end of the track, there's an area where there's a scratch solo and it just all of a sudden blends into this freaking echo world and shit. Um, the tape echo, that, that has a weird sounding echo. It's not, it's not perfect. It's like... The tape echo has like this, uh, it, it just varies all the time. You know, it's not always the same. Don't miss tomorrow's thrill-packed adventure. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. In a moment, we'll bring you an exciting glimpse of it. But first... First, let us discover more about their origin. Let us go back to that momentous day when an angry... talking about the next track which is uh octobots uh, that's a, a another homage to uh the first scratch song of all time and now it goes back all the way full circle with this last track uh octobots that the drums on there i programmed on this thing it's the first the first time i ever made a beat on a freaking ipad and so that program is called uh beat maker three it's i, I use the you can you could Put your finger on there, and you can make the bass go. I said, "Oh shit!" So I, so I um, 
if you listen to the bass, it's very uh, wavy. And so that was um, kind of like a, a really cool aspect of that song. And the character, the the octopods, once again, those are like a, a military. What do you call those things in Star Wars? Those uh, big at ats. Yeah, that's what they're called. They look like camels. Right. Yeah, at ats. Right. Right. Yes, that's uh, that's like what these um these are. This represents kind of like uh in the storyline, there's like water worlds where these uh squid people live, and, and they they hire them like come join our military. We, we can uh we you know the first first of all they got to make the freaking the water planet poor, so they destroy all their food on the, on their planet. They destroy all their uh, crops, and so they're all they're all starving. All these these poor octopus people, and then they come in later. Oh, we could save you from this famine. Join our military, and we're gonna uh, uh, hook you up with uh, uh, electronic <laughs> a brain. And so they put the freaking microchips in all these poor octopus people, and they become part of their military, the evil guys. And that's the suction. The suction cops. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. So that is uh, Wave Twister Zero is a prequel, and then we'd love to do a uh, Wave Twisters actual number two, and that's kind of what I'm working on right now. It's called Wave Twisters: The Lost Encounters. That only came out on a special seven-inch set uh, in the Wave Twisters album when that was released, and that got sold out super fast. And uh, so I'm already finishing up this next album. It's called Next Cosmos, which is kind of like a uh, it's an offshoot of, of Wave Twisters. But it's a total different cosmos. That's why it's called Next Cosmos. It's like, instead of this cosmos, let's move on to a different freaking cosmos. And that's kind of what this album I just came out with right now. And I'm also coming out with um, like almost nine, six plus tracks on the vinyl version. You can only get on djcuber.com. You got you can pre-order it right now. And um, it's called, uh, yeah, Next Cosmos. And then uh, after that, I'll come out with that Wave Twisters, The Lost Encounters. I might make it a Wave Twisters too. I might turn it into that. So hopefully there's a film for that or a film for Wave Twisters Zero. We'll see what happens. Or we just might make something totally brand new. But yeah, that's uh, that's the goal, you know.
show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh-oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My people saw you with me where you were.